Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, episode 33. This is Writing Excuses, crossover fiction with Victoria Schwab. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Victoria Schwab. Hey there. Thank you for being on the podcast with us, Victoria. It's my pleasure. So, um, we also are live at Phoenix Comic Con. Thank you guys so much. And Victoria, you pitched this concept to us. Ghost talk, or not ghost, sorry. I'm reading my flip. Well, now we know what the book of the week is. You pitched crossover fiction to us. What is crossover fiction? Um, Well, I've always thought of crossover fiction as fiction that has a primary audience and a much larger appeal. So we Mm -hmm. see it a lot in YA, that uh, young adult fiction that has crossover into adult, adult fiction that has crossover into YA. Um, Classic example of crossover fiction, one of the most classic would be Harry Potter, which actually makes that transition from middle grade when he's 11 all the way up through the border of YA when he's 17, 18. And we also want to kind of talk about being a crossover author, meaning writing multiple 
different genres, genre defined as age groups or yeah, things like this. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's talk about this. How do, do you consciously approach writing your fiction so that it can cross between audiences? No, I think that I write my books for a specific person that I am. Okay. And most of the time I am writing for myself at a liminal age. So I'm either writing for weird 14-year-old me, or I'm writing for weird 17-year-old me, or I'm writing for weird 28-year-old me. And so I try and make my stories accessible to the person that I was Mm -hmm. in that kind of border zone. I am, when looking at this, one of the things that's most interesting to me are films like the Pixar films, which Hmm. are children's films, quote-unquote. But they obviously are trying hard to hit a crossover audience by specifically including things in their stories that will work for that audience, uh, for different audiences. You can look at the humor and say, okay, the humor's working on multiple different levels and things like this. Um, Humor's an easy one, but also kind of relationship stories. Um, If you, you look at Up, which is the Pixar film, you know, it starts with a relationship between kids, then it turns into a relationship between adults, and then it turns into a relationship story about an adult and a kid. And this story has very crossover appeal because of that. Yeah. I will say, I think when you're looking at crossover boundaries, it's really interesting. You'll have middle grade, which is Mm -hmm. um, like nine to 12 that appeals to adults. And you'll have young adult that appeals to adults. And you rarely have middle grade that appeals to YA. So there are interesting little boundaries in there. And I don't know if it's because those kinds of classic narratives that we would now shelve as middle grade or as children's were so often shelved as adult classic narratives. Yeah, I've noticed this as well because um, someone asked me the other day, they said, so how is it different? It was an interview between writing middle grade, writing uh, YA, and writing adult. And I said, actually, the big break is middle grade to YA. The break between YA and adult is not nearly as vast a gulf, I think, Mm -hmm. as it is middle grade and YA. Well, also, the reading place Mm -hmm. that you are as a reader. I mean, I have readers who are eight and very competently reading my adult novels, and I have readers who are 14 and are reading my eight to 10-year-old novels. And so it's it's a very, very malleable space for the reader, Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. So the the place that I am most fascinated by is this transition between young adult and adult, Mm -hmm. specifically in fantasy. And it's what I started writing in YA. And as I moved and, and divided myself between my YA presence and my adult presence, I was most interested at finding that point of fusion where my readers on both sides of that proverbial fence would be happy with my books. So one of the most common questions I get relating to this, because I write in all three fields mm-hmm. as well. I've done middle grade, YA, and adult. Um, and I know, Dan, you have done YA and adult. This, this conversation is my entire writing <laughs> career. Yeah. It's kind um, of awesome. The question I get a lot is, how do you approach writing differently, middle grade versus YA versus adult? And it's a, always a hard one for me to answer. I'm going to pitch it at you guys. Yeah. So I don't write this, but I did perform in elementary schools Mm. with puppetry for years and years and and had live experience with the audience. And the thing that I found with them is that they are, are, you know, they're they're wicked smart. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the differences, for me, one of the primary differences between a child audience and an adult audience is that an adult audience has context. Right. A child audience, the the elementary school and and above, um, they are still learning about the world. And so frequently you have to explain things a little bit more. Uh, They, 
they can't make the leaps just because they don't have the experience yet. Right. Whereas if you do that kind of explanation for an adult audience, they feel like you're hitting them over the head with something. What's interesting is the very first threshold that I figured out was actually humor. Mm-hmm. My adult novels tend to have a very dark sense of humor. And that's something I actually think we develop on our way out of our teen years instead of on our way in. Vicious, my first, uh, it's a supervillain origin story, and it has very dark humor threaded through it. And that's not something I would have gotten as a 13-year-old because of that mm-hmm. world context and things like that. The other thing that I do is I shift very slightly the intensity of focus. I am allowed to spend a little bit more time in my adult novels on world building. I spend a little bit more time in my YA novels on plot and pacing. There's a sense of hierarchy that shifts ever so slightly. It's not things that are very broad and noticeable to me that I'm still telling the same kinds of stories to the same readers, but I have to shift my footing ever so slightly. With, um, when I first started doing YA, because the, uh, the Serial Killer series, while many consider it YA, I never did. Um, and so when I started Partials, the advice I got from a lot of people was, oh, well, if you're writing YA, make sure that they go to school in it. And I thought, no, that's terrible advice. And, and I didn't. And that has never hurt it. And I think what people were expecting mm. is that there needed to be some kind of resonant experience that they could latch on to. And I don't think that has to be something as obvious as going to school. It can be and should be primarily emotional. If the problems that the characters are dealing with are problems that your audience can relate to, then it will work. Uh, My book that's coming out this November, uh, Extreme Makeover, that is the first book I've ever written that I consider primarily an adult novel because the problems that the characters are dealing with really aren't problems that I think a lot of kids are going to have any experience with because it is so corporate and so I'm an adult with a job kind of thing that that is the crossover I expect it will not happen. The other books, it's mm-hmm. never been an issue. You know, one of the things I've noticed, and we, we always say you don't write down to kids. Yeah. You really don't. At the same time, you have to be able to divide what is writing down and what is focusing on what they'll be interested in. And I can share a story with, of my eight-year-old. We're reading a book together. It's one that someone gave to him, and he was very interested in it. It's called uh, Rise of the Robots, um, or no, Winter of the Robots, Winter of the Robots, and it's pretty good. But it is targeted an older, um, an older kid, and because the main character is becoming interested in girls, and he is, there's this girl he is really interested in, the kid's best friend is not. He's like, whatever, we gotta build our robots for our robot fighting competition. And my son keeps saying, "Can I wish we didn't have all this stuff about the girl. It's is just this boring. Is a kissing book? It's not <laughs> even that, it's not even the disgusting No, things. no, it's... It's just the, this is boring. Can't we get back to the robots? Um, because at eight years old, he's just not interested at all. Um, it's not a level of intelligence thing. He can get all the storytelling yeah. and all of that. He just is completely, completely bored by those things. By that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this, this is really worth pointing out that levels of reading intelligence mm-hmm. and levels of subject matter are totally unrelated. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's yeah. actually a massive need for. Yeah higher subject matter with lower reading levels, that's a niche that is not being filled very well right now. And, you know, this book does a good job because it also, it has that, but it also has the friend who's not interested. So 
there is that dynamic, and my son's like, yeah, we're going to build lots of robots. Yes, there will be this, these more boring sections. But, um, and so that book has some crossover in that it's obviously targeted at young YA, um, but my, my pre-middle grade, eight-year-old, just right at the beginning of middle grade, is enjoying it. So. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week, which, by complete surprise, not mentioned earlier in the podcast, <laughs> is Ghost Talkers. Yay, that's by me. Um, so Ghost Talkers is my first non-glamorous histories novel. Uh, it is set in 1916 during the Great War, World War I. And the tagline we've been using is... Um, the secret of the Great War is that the ghosts were on our side. And I, I have to give Margaret Dunlap credit for coming up with that one for me. Um, but basically what I have is uh, this is a world in which the British Intelligence Department gets together a group of mediums, and they call it the Spirit Corps. And the soldiers are all trained that when they die, they have to report in. And so they're getting instant troop updates, instant battle updates. And the book begins right when the Germans have figured out what they're doing and are trying to target the mediums. So there's, you know, espionage and intrigue and spying and and a lot of death. (laughs) Now, this episode airs on August 14th, and the release date for this book is August... August 16th. 16th. And I should say that that this book is actually coming out... It's set during the Battle of the Somme, and it is coming out during the 100th anniversary of the Battle of the Somme. And I would recommend that if there's a listener that hasn't tried one of Mary's books, if there are any left, (laughs) if you haven't tried one of Mary's books, this is a great entry point because it's... A standalone novel. It is a standalone. um, That uh, does all the things Mary's really good at doing and introduces you to uh, to Mary's writing. And and I will also say that it is available in all sorts of formats, including Audible and in print as well. And we got to hear some of the outtakes of you reading it (laughs) earlier. That was fun. (laughs) Um, All right. Um, Let's talk about being a crossover author, meaning you're an author that's writing in multiple different genres. Um, you use pen names for your I different do. genres? I do. I, um, I write three books a year, one in each 
middle grade YA and adult. (laughs) And I go by Victoria Schwab for both my middle grade and my YA work, and then VE Schwab for my adult work. You know, maybe if I would use those, people would stop saying, why do you, how do you write so much? Right? They just assume you are two people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a really interesting thing. It did take like an hour with my agent to figure out my schedule alone because there are so many games, like you have to play with all the different publishers. And Mm -hmm. I published with three different publishers as well. So I'm with Scholastic, Harper, and Tor. And Uh. so it becomes a juggle. But you know, I originally diversified because uh, early on in my career, I hit a point where I really struggled with my YA publishing career. And rather than, I basically hit that point where I would either stop for a Mm -hmm. while and kind of maybe give up, maybe walk away from it. And I was so afraid if I walked away, I wouldn't have the heart to come back because it's a hard industry. And so I instead decided to diversify and I split and I was doing YA at the time. I decided to write this adult book, Vicious. And at the same time, I got contracted by Scholastic to do a a trilogy for them. Mm -hmm. And I opened those doors and I've never really been interested in going back. I love being busy and it is, a, I'm sure you know, Brandon, it's a, it's a career that keeps you very busy when it you does. start doing that. At, at risk of momentarily derailing uh, <laughs> for a business discussion, this concept of diversification, yes. years and years ago, uh, Robert Koo of Penny Arcade, talking to a bunch of uh, artists, self-pub types, said, never let more than 60% of your revenue come from the same source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I believe uh, that immensely. And that having three different publishers... That was an, that was an active that's choice. That's brilliant. I had the choice to take my YA projects to Tor as well, and then and Tor is my, my home, and I love mm-hmm. them, but I, I was very, very adamant about wanting to keep all of my different yep. styles yep. and projects at different houses. You know, yeah. um, I've met, told this story before, but early in my career... There are points where I vacillated between thinking my adult writing career was dead and my middle grade writing career being dead. And each point where one of those was like, I'm never going to publish in this again, the other one was doing really well. And I said, but at least I have this to fall back on. And it turns out my middle grade career died, right? The Alcatraz books crashed and burned. They were high, they were low, they were high, and then they crashed and burned. And my adult career is really took off. But if I hadn't had both of those, yeah. you'd, you'd roll yeah. those dice 50% and you don't have a career. That's yeah. really scary. I mean, that's what I say all the time is, mm-hmm. thank heavens I have puppetry to fall back on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I always say that publishing is like, um, it's, it's thinly frozen ice, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having different places to put your footing when something starts tipping yeah. off balance and when something cracks, it's really, really helpful. Yeah, you- I think... Um, one of the things that, that we're talking about here and that a lot of people don't think about when they're, they're writing is, oh, I really want to write full time, mm-hmm. is that you're going from having a, a full time job with a regular paycheck to being a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And freelancers, that means that have, you have multiple bosses, uh, you have multiple deadlines, and all of them think that they are the most important thing in the room. And something will go wrong. And something Somebody will, will miss a deadline wrong. that is not you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have that train car pile up where, you know, the train tries to screech to a halt yeah. and all of the various cars start spilling off the rails. And Now, you might be listening saying, yes, I would love <laughs> to have that problem. Um, but this is applicable to newer writers as well mm-hmm. because we've talked about Dan's experience as a writer trying something new. Yeah, um, I, I very specifically did not want to get pigeonholed as the serial killer supernatural guy. Um, although that's a wonderful space to be in, and I'm planning a new series uh, for it. But that's why I did Partials next, is mm-hmm. because it was as different as I could make it. Right. Um, and 
that has been confusing and it has been problematic. Um, but that's what I wanted my career to be. And I get that question a lot. Like, how can I establish myself from the beginning as a multi-genre author or a multi-audience mm-hmm. author, a crossover? And, you know, you do it on purpose and you do it deliberately. And, and you're very upfront with your editor and your agents and say, this is how I want to do it. If you're at the stage where you don't yet have editors and agents, make sure that you're trying different things. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why I got published is because I eventually said, you know, fantasy's fun, but I want to try writing a horror novel. Mm-hmm. Try different things right now while you're still that made your whole career. Job, yeah. The day job that you quit was writing ad copy, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is a form of fiction. Um, for, for an impressionable young audience, uh, the I, while at this show, I've met just in the course of casual conversation, three writers whose day job is writing, and whose night job is writing, mm-hmm. um, and and the 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 point to drive home there is that. If you want to write both middle grade and mm-hmm. adult, if you want to do crossover stuff, the skill set of being able to write different kinds of things is something that you just need to practice. Yep. Yeah. And, and that being a good writer means writing and right. writing and writing. I also just wanted to briefly point out, you talk about there's two different kinds of diversifications, right? There's the age group diversification, Mm -hmm. the audience diversification, as you're saying, and the genre diversification. And one of the best things in retrospect that I ever did was very early on when I started writing, I finished, my my first book was a standalone, and I made my second book completely different. And so Mm -hmm. what happened was by books three and four and five, Mm -hmm. publishers stopped trying to brand Mm -hmm. me as a specific kind of writer and just were like, well, we're just going to trust that people will buy a Victoria yeah. Schwab book. Now, to be fair, yeah. that sometimes fails. Oh, yeah. it yeah. does, um, it does. But it's harder if you've yeah. done three or four or five books that are the same thing exactly. to get your publisher to trust that in, you can do something completely different. In Germany, my serial killers, all five of those books so far have been national bestsellers. Partials sold 2,000 copies total. And so they're actually re-releasing Partials, which is young adult science fiction, to make it look like a horror novel in the hopes that, that they'll I can be, they can pigeonhole me and people will buy it now because they think it's, it's a thriller. Yeah, this was a, this was a, career, a question that my agent and I talked about um, because I had this giant list of novels I wanted to write. And it was, did I want to do the pigeonhole thing or did I want to be you know, the Tad Williams, which is every book is wildly different. And we opted for the, um, the building of the audience, but mm-hmm. with the, what I'm doing is... Some a little sneaky, which is that you know I've I've got okay Regency romance with magic, and then the next book is historical, which is what people mm-hmm. are expecting. It's historical fantasy, but it's a World War One yeah. novel, and and the book that comes after that is still a historical, but it's a 1952 science fiction novel. Right. It's a pivot point. It's you a can pivot find point. pivot points in your career. Sometimes you don't get to jump all the way across the board, but you can find those pivot points that allow you to maneuver into different arenas. This has been a fantastic discussion. Um, I'm really glad we talked about this one, and I really want to emphasize trying new things. Being the person that if a project comes your way that says, can you do this? Your answer can be, yeah, I can do that because I've done this before. can really help your career, particularly in the beginning. But we are out of time. 
Um, I did want to mention, we uh, recorded another episode of Victoria, but I think this one's airing first. This one's airing first. So you will hear from Victoria again, audience, (laughs) and um, we'll have more discussion of her books. But if you want to get ready for that, you can go read the Shades of Magic series. Um, which she pitches to us in the episode we already recorded that you haven't heard yet. Um, <laughs> so then when she comes back, you will be able to be familiar with her writing. Is this a time travel writing prompt? <laughs> I think it is now. <laughs> All right, I guess that's our writing prompt. It's a, you got to write a story about a book that can't be read <laughs> until you are dead. Wow. Yes. That's bleak. But that's <laughs> that's bleak. That is bleak. Didn't someone just did, like record wrote a book to not be read until they die? I'm I'm trying to remember that was something in, that was in news items. So I think oh, I think Mark, that would be really interesting. Well, Mark Twain's memoirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He it was they couldn't so, be read until 100 years yeah. after. Yeah. So either it's a story you're going to write that someone can't read until a certain date or you can write about somebody who's dealing with that if that's too morbid for you. <laughs> I thought you meant that they couldn't read it that the reader could not read it until the reader was See, dead. See, and that's what I was no, thinking. No. The reader oh, cannot okay. read this book oh. until they have it, died. It's a, yeah. a, a, oh. That's how I interpret yeah. it. Okay. All right. All right. So whatever you want to do, audience. Whatever you want. We've got like seven in there for you. <laughs> thank you, Phoenix Comic Con audience. <laughs> this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.